0: Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. I am so excited. If you have not heard of my guest today, you are going to be blown away by this woman. She's just an outstanding human being, and I'm thrilled to have Lydia Mattioli on the show today. She has a new book that's being released, and Lydia is just incredibly passionate about building platforms for abuse survivors and advocates um, to be leaders in their own communities. She loves creating sustainable solutions that prevent and respond to sexual violence For and within different communities, she was born and raised in Kibera, which is Africa's largest slum. And Lydia has herself firsthand experienced the effects of sexual violence. Also how the lack of education and poverty plays into all of this. She's experienced that firsthand. And so now she works with Freely and Hope as the Programs and Partnerships Director. And so she gets to design and implement programs that really exemplify some of the best practices for ending the cycle of sexual violence that we often see. Um, Lydia's smart. She graduated with bachelor of arts in gender, women, and development studies and has over eight years experience in program design and community outreach. So she has so much knowledge and wisdom, but she's the author of a book that she just released called Pendo's Power. It's a children's book that's illustrated and it helps children recognize and report sexual abuse. So, um, This book is really resonating with a lot of people. She recently did um, a book release here in the San Francisco Bay Area. um, And her, uh, just her voice, her story, her ability to communicate it, and her desire and Um, work to help children and parents and caregivers and teachers and people and faith institutions and communities understand how to have conversations with children and how to help them see their own power to um, understand consent, understand that they can say no understand their power to um, not be in situations that make them feel unsafe um, and giving power to children again to understand um, what's what boundaries are right so this' is what her book is all about when she's not working you can find her dancing to afrobeat with her three-year-old daughter and trying out new recipes as well and so I love that she's bringing all of herself into this conversation today and we're gonna We're going to go there. So um, this is your trigger warning. If this is something that would be too much for you today, it is okay to not listen. It is okay to take it in chunks. Um, It is okay to just take long breaks and go for a walk and get some sunshine or take deep breaths. Um, If you have experienced abuse of any kind and particular sexual abuse, um, yeah, listener discretion is advised. Also, the sponsor of this podcast is BetterHelp. So if you are somebody who has walked through abuse um, or walked through any trauma of any kind or just needs help from a professional to talk through some relational difficulties or stress or grief, loss, um, BetterHelp.com is the sponsor of this podcast. And if you go to www www.betterhelp slash difference today, you'll get 10% off your first month. I myself have largely benefited from a Therapist through BetterHelp who's helped me work through a lot of grounding techniques and somatic therapy, understanding how to just shake it off sometimes like we see the animals do. I've gone and sat near the lake near my house and watched ducks just kind of shake water off their back. Um, All things that my therapist at BetterHelp has helped me to do to help my own body process some traumatic experiences in a workplace environment where I walk through some psychological and um, spiritual abuse and emotional and verbal abuse there. And so I know that some of you listening to this podcast have walked through that type of thing. And if you're one of them, please um, check out betterhelp.com difference today to get 10% off your first month. So happy to bring to the show today and introduce to you somebody who is making a huge difference in the world. So let's give a very warm welcome today to Lydia Mattioli. And a very warm welcome to the A World of Difference podcast today, and congratulations on your book release.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, it's very exciting, and we were connected by um, someone we both know, and I'm really excited to have this conversation today, um, because not only are you somebody who's a survivor Um, of some very difficult experiences, but you've also allowed those experiences to shape you into someone who wants to make an impact and help others um, in so many different ways. And we are, our listeners all around the world really are all about that. And so excited to sort of hear more about your background, some of the things you've walked through. and. Um, why you ended up, you know, writing this book. But I guess my first question for you is tell us a little bit about your background. Who are you, Lydia Mattioli? And um, what, mm-hmm. is it, what is it about your background that makes you who you are today?
1: Awesome. Again, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, so Lydia Mattioli is a 29-year-old um I am a mom to a beautiful three-year-old girl, and I currently um, lead programs at a nonprofit called Freely Hope, which exists to end the cycle of sexual violence in Kenya and in Zambia. Um, and just to share a little bit about my background, I was born and raised in Kibera, which is um, East Africa's largest slum. You know, I think after Soweto in South Africa, I think Kibera is next. It um, inhabits around one million plus people. Um, and so all my life, I was inside there. I was born in there with all these people. There's a lot of scarcity. Um, the environment is not that friendly. Um, if you look at the sewer systems, the, the chaos, uh, if you look at the roads, the infrastructure, generally, it, it's it's just a mess so it's a place where there's not a lot of access to uh, resources a lot of access to opportunities um and the main main thing that i, I grew up seeing a lot was violence so um let me just share, start by sharing my own story so yeah. when i was 5 um we lived at a place where i don't i don't know if you have an idea of kibra but let me paint the picture sure. for you So, like I said, there are so many houses and so close to each other, you know. It's just like single rooms, very, very close to each other, um, and we would call them floats. So, you'd find like 10 houses um, in one square meter, um, you know, doors next to each other and and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that is one of the reasons why we had a lot of violence happening, because you're so close to each other in proximity um, proximity. a lot of things are happening behind the shadows um, so when I was five there was this guy who was our neighbor he was actually a um, man of God <laughs> he was a pastor um, this man used to, kids used to love being around this guy a lot a lot at that time looking back now that I remember I'm like oh. um, so one time he called me into his shop and he started touching me inappropriately all over my body um, and this almost escalated further uh but then thank goodness my sister was looking for me to have lunch and so my sister was calling out for my name outside like lydia lydia and then when the man had my sister he stopped grabbed a lollipop gave it to me and was like go, go go out um so i went out met my sister she looked concerned um but she didn't know what to ask or like, she didn't know what to tell me. I think I remember the only thing she asked me was like, what were you doing then? And I was like, oh, uncle came, called me to give me a sweet because I didn't even know what abuse was. I could not comprehend it. Yeah. So yeah, that was the end of that conversation between me and my sister. So pretty much growing up, like I was exposed to sexual abuse in that way yeah um so when my sister found me like uh, we didn't talk much about the situation um and yeah we just left it at that moved on with life like many other cases um happening in kibra and then when i was 16 years old uh, my best friend was gang raped Uh, we were in high school and she was gang raped at the very same alley we used every day to go to school you know three men grabbed her and Pulled her in a in room and, and raped her and because of the culture of silence that existed in Kibera, she she didn't know whom to tell and she tried talking to, to the dad like when that happened that same day uh, when she went back home she tried telling the dad but the dad was just like you know like shaming her and being like you you're there with your boyfriends and here you're trying to say that you've been raped Um, so she shut down she completely shut down until um, she started getting side effects from the abuse you know a couple of days later Mm -hmm. she started uh, having infections Uh, she started her skin started feeling itchy like she she got bad infections and that's when she told me and i was in high school i didn't even know like what what is this yes we would hear about rape yeah um on tv here and there we would hear stories of a girl was raped here um a girl was raped in this particular village but we we like we didn't know no one told us how to respond or what to do um so when my friend told me that like i i couldn't think of (laughs) i felt helpless honestly um and so we told a teacher who helped us like you know who told us which hospital to go to she did not even accompany us she was just like go to this hospital uh, they'll help you so my friend was treated but that was it nothing no counseling no conversation after that um so that was a common trend um that, uh, like that existed living in Japan. like I, I, I was surrounded by so much violence and no one was holding anyone accountable no one was talking about it no one was asking the survivors uh, like what's what's happening with you how did you feel and my friend like was never the same after that experience she was never ever the same and i think that is what um, inspired me to start having these conversations while i was in school in high school Um, so i started a girls club where all the girls could come and meet every tuesday and we would just vent like nothing would happen afterwards, but we would just vent, this and this is happening to my home, um, this, and this is happening with my mom, you know, she's being beaten every day. Like, so we, we held space for a lot of stories within uh, my school community, and, and as much as we didn't do anything about it, uh, we felt relieved. I think just talking about it helped relieve some of the weight that came with holding all of these stories. Yeah. Um, and, and I like to say that is where my advocacy work began in high school mm-hmm. um, and and so right after I graduated high school I knew I wanted to do something along those lines but again in Kibaya once you're done with high school um, that that is it for your parents they're like we've done our best do you know so you figure out what you want to do next with your life yes I wanted to go to college but I didn't know how, you know, I didn't have the means. Um, so I had to figure out what to do at that time um, to be able to just, you know, pursue my dreams and, and to get by. So, yeah, I started looking for volunteer opportunities um, in Kibera I got a chance to volunteer with a couple of local organizations. Um, and this was in 2013 2014 because i finished high school in 2012 so 2013 i was volunteering 2014 uh, the same um, and the founder of the particular organization that I was volunteering in um, in 2014 knew about my story uh, she knew about uh, like how passionate i was uh, in matters ending sexual violence and so He's the one who connected me to Freely in Hope, the organization that I serve with. Uh, because at that time, Freely in Hope was giving uh, academic scholarships to survivors. You know? Wow. Yeah. 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 So like...
0: And you growing up in Kibera and having all those experiences, and now you're at Freely in Hope. Yeah. Tell us a little more about the organization's mission and some of these key initiatives you're involved in to combat this sexual violence.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah... Uh, I Freely Hope is a nonprofit that works to end sexual violence in Kenya and Zambia. And how we do that is by uh, providing um, academic scholarships to survivors of sexual violence. Um, and these academic scholarships are very holistic in the sense that it's not just paying school fees. You know, uh, there's uh, counseling happening um, just to combat all the mental health um, uh, issues that come with trauma. Uh, the safe housing involved where like several locations we've had to move the girls from the spaces where they live in you know girls who are being abused by their dads by their uncles by people who are taking care of them so we've had to move them um to safe spaces uh then there's the legal aspect of it where um, some of the survivors that come into the, the community have pending legal cases um and so yeah we have to find in all the legal processes having the lawyers involved following up with uh, court cases it's it's intense um and there's um, there's also mentorship involved um, because we we want these girls to thrive in their calling because most of them when they come into the community they're like i want to be a lawyer so that whatever happened to me cannot happen to anyone else I want to be a mm. um, a doctor to support other survivors, all of that, and so in wanting to just nurture this desire and tap into these desires, there's a lot of leadership development that goes into uh, this process. Just exposing them to spaces that will help them grow um, that desire, spaces that will give them an idea of what it means to <laughs> work in a you know in a law firm, what it means to to be an, an activist or an advocate in the community um, all of that and most importantly I think just having that community of belonging interacting with other survivors hearing their stories um, of, of you know how they overcame trauma how they're doing in their healing journey um, that plays a big role in um, helping the survivors um you know just get from that point of yeah. helplessness and despair to this place where they're taking their power back
0: um, yeah and are there <clears throat> i know that um there are so many things you know culturally in every culture around sexual violence that you know often ends in you know silencing of the survivors and centering the one who the perpetrators and mm-hmm. um, mostly because i mean there's so many dynamics right there's the and patriarchy, which often is in most cultures we're dealing with, not all of them, but, um, and that, that layer of just centering a man and his voice and then, um, either silencing or just diminishing the voice of a, a female survivor, especially a young girl. And then the, the victim blaming. So yeah, explain, um, maybe some of your own personal experience of observing that with yourself and your friends or how those dynamics are sort of tricky in the environment that people are trying to heal from? Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah, we've, we've definitely had to deal with a lot of cultural, um, um, mindsets that really perpetrate, uh, this issue of of sexual abuse. And one of them, you said, um, if you go into my community right now and, um, Talk to the men, most of them feel like, you know, it's my right to have sex with a woman because this is what they've grown up hearing. You know, they do not understand the whole concept of mutual respect, asking for consent, um, mutual understanding before engaging in in, any sexual acts because their forefathers uh, did that. Their forefathers believed they had a right over women. Yeah, they've seen their dads doing that, and so they themselves are also, you know, stepping into that generational uh, trend. And so that is one of the biggest um, um, factors as to why uh, sexual violence is happening. And the sad thing is that even the women have been conditioned to start believing in these retrogressive uh, beliefs. You know, so you find even women themselves feel you know like, to, it's a man, um, whatever a man says, like, I'm supposed to adhere. um if, if a man says that my dressing tempted them to, you know, to commit sexual abuse, then it's true, you know? So it this cultural uh, belief, like, has, has been so deep to the point where even women themselves started believing it. And um, this really escalated... Um, Cases of abuse in my community, personally, where I come from, and so even with Free Lean Hope going into these uh, communities through our outreach programs, we had to do a lot of conversations with the men, with the boys, to help shift these mindsets, um, so that they, they they start understanding that you know what, you do not have the right to have sex with a woman. A woman is a human being, just like you. You know, with the same rights, just like you. And so there's a lot of respect that needs to be, um, to be there. Like you need to be mindful of, of what they say. Uh, uh, so yeah, like uh, that is part of the work that we've been doing to really push for that shift in, in mindset because that's where the root is. Honestly, that is the root cause of yeah. um, all of this violence that we're experiencing um, in Kibaya, in Nairobi, in Kenya. Really. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it, it's it's so heartbreaking, um, and I think everywhere there are so many stereotypes that um, people fall into, and you know, and some of those are very even entrenched in certain faith communities. So, um you mentioned earlier that um, the your abuser was a part of a faith community, and so yeah, I would be interested to know. Um, do you still identify as part of a faith community, and if so, has that journey been difficult for you in light of all of this?
1: That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> well, um, I, my experiences and like I think um, working with survivors, um, of course, has really, really affected my interaction with the faith communities. Because, trust me, most of the cases that I've had um, a lot of perpetrators are faith leaders, and that yeah. kind of just affected how I I connect with God through that community. Honestly, so it's been mm-hmm. so long since I went to church um, because I, I, like, I just every time I was in church, I would battle with the thought that you know this man up here could be a hypocrite this man up here could yeah. be um, um, you know could be one of the perpetrators and I know it's not fair to like have a blanket judgment and to have that bias over faith leaders but I can't help it it's part of the trauma that I have from my experience right. and from the experiences of people who are very very close to me um, so mm-hmm. yeah my relationship mm-hmm. is not the same I, I struggle to um, be at church I struggle to be in community with faith leaders but i've also learned to find my own ways of connecting with god um that do not necessarily involve me like not being a church and i i know i'll get there someday but right now i am not at that point where i can just comfortably be um a church and and and, and commune with other believers the way i used to um, and I know that yeah. it's going to take time, and, and I'm just being patient mm-hmm. uh, with myself and, and with the entire process, but yes, I, I do believe I'm in God. I'm glad
0: that. that you're being patient with yourself. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's very good.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that many, many listening in this community, um, and that it's not exclusively Christians that I'm talking right. about, <clears throat> in all faith communities, we see um, people who've walked through, uh, abuse in their faith community, whether it's in Islam or Judaism or, um, you know, if they're Buddhist or Hindu or Christian, um, or even if they have no faith community, but it's been a community that's been spiritual in some way. And you've seen an, a, a leader be abusive. Um, and then you've seen it covered up by people in the faith community. It doesn't feel safe. Right. And, and there are reasons for that. And as survivors, Or even people who might have secondary trauma, who have friends who've been abused, it doesn't feel safe even for those friends when they've watched a cover-up happen and watched a perpetrator be, you know, centered and his story be the main story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those are red flags for people. And so I think part of caring well for ourselves and our own well-being is to make decisions like you're making to to find ways to express your faith and and experience your faith in ways that you're you're safe and you're caring for yourself and you're protecting yourself Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people in this community that understand that and are walking through that so thank you for being vulnerable to share that but i know that you also really want to make an impact especially for children because your abuse happened as a child at five years old so tell us a little bit about your book pendo's power i know you're hoping to help children recognize and report sexual abuse so what inspired you to even think about writing this book and um, how are you seeing it received in the communities where you were?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so Bendos Power was inspired by, of course, my past experiences growing up as a child in Nigeria, and I've shared a little bit about that. Uh, also my current experiences as a mother. Um, I have a three-year-old daughter and when I had her, I was so scared. So when I gave back to my daughter, being a first-time mom, um, being a single mom, I was so scared of, like, w- what she's going to be exposed to. And I think when I had Amira, that's when the realization of my own abuse started dawning dom- on me, you know. I had not processed it. Um, and so when she came, it was just like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? What have I done? Um and I had Amira around the same time where when COVID was happening, because um, she came in 2019, and then COVID happened uh, 2020, because um, she was born in December. So we were at home. We were listening to all of these things that were happening: cases of abuse escalating, you know, children being abused in their homes, women being abused uh, by people they're living with, and oh my goodness, like I, I struggled sleeping. I stri- I, mm. I battled with the thought that Amira, you know, could could be exposed to a perpetrator any time because it was not, um, it was not like strange people. It was people that were like super super close to her that are pot- potentially um, the abusers. And so like I I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to create a resource that would help children like Amira. Um, children living in different parts of Kenya children living in different parts of the world to be able to learn about these key concepts early so that they know when their body boundaries are being crossed you know Uh, because for me I didn't know like I I, no one told me about body boundaries Um, and the many many women the many many girls that have spoken to me about being survivors of child sexual abuse they didn't know and so I wanted to give my own child and other children that gift of knowing. Um, and I know it's crazy because children are supposed to live in a bubble. Like, they are kids, for heaven's sake. They are not supposed to be thinking about these things. But we also cannot be blind to the fact that bad things are happening in the world and the fact that we will yeah. not always be with them. Um, so it's better for them to learn and, and and know that they can actually use their voice to express when something is happening to them. And so that is what inspired the creation of Pendo's Power. Um, so it's, it's, it's a book that teaches children as young as four years old all the way to 12 years old about body safety. You know, this is my body. Uh, these are my private parts. No one is supposed to touch my private parts. If someone touches my private parts, these are the people that I tell. You know, consent, I have the right to say yes or no, whether it's an adult, whether it's a child, I have the right to, to say it and, and be firm in my decision, especially when it involves my body. So these are the concepts that I, I wanted to bring out um, in the book, um, especially because growing up as a child, you know, you were taught to always respect the elders, you know, when the elder calls you, Go, um which is a good thing. But I feel like some perpetrators use this um, this element uh, to really get to kids, because they're vulnerable. They, they're innocent. They, they cannot speak up for themselves. And so through Power I wanted children to know that their voice is powerful, that there are people out here who care about them, who care about their safety, and are willing to do anything um, protect them yeah and uh, the book features a six-year-old girl from Kibera um, who is you know well um, connect, like well educated about these things like um, Pendo's mom and dad did a good job starting these conversations early uh, because they were aware of the risks and so because Pendo knows um, she is helping her friends Bahati and Tumaini. You know, call out um, a different kinds of abuse that they've been exposed to um, in the community. So that's pretty much what the book is about. Uh, we wanted it to be very simple and fun, so we used a lot of um, colourful illustrations to, you know, just help children connect and, and resonate with the content. Um, and and so far, it's just been amazing to see the response. It's been amazing to hear kids are reading it, kids are connecting to the characters, kids are, are saying my voice is my power, kids are saying it's okay not to keep, like it's, it's not okay to keep secrets, things like that. Um, so I'm just super, super grateful that it, the the book is serving the purpose, like why I solely created it. Um, I, I am getting feedback that it is. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. What you've done is such a gift and it's going to be so impactful. I'm sure in prevention, as the children read it, but also as the parents read it alongside, you know, because I think what the nature of being a child in most cultures around the world is that there is this power dynamic between adults and children. And children are often um, at the, you know, receiving end of abusive power in so many different ways. Um, You know, just their voice, you know, being believed or listened to, you know, there's a lot of Um, people that would just think well children are so imaginative they made this up this isn't real Um, and why would you say that about uncle so-and-so or especially if they're like a pastor and so there's so many stories you and I probably both know that kind of narrative but to help children understand that they have this power I could imagine how reading that book as a child would feel so right Um, because we sort of Um, as children long for people to believe us when something traumatic happens just like we do when we're adults but because the power dynamic between adult and children is often abused um, those children often are so silenced and so yeah um, as you've seen you know children and and parents maybe walking through it together or reading it together are there any stories or things that you can think of that are impactful or um, anything around Mm -hmm. that
1: Yeah, I think one of the most mind-blowing things about this book is how it's not only just impacting children, but even um, the adults. I feel like most of the parents and caregivers that I am interacting with are kind of healing their inner child. They're going back to Mm -hmm. moments when they were children and reflecting on moments when they were abused and speaking up for the first time. You know, so I think that for me has been everything, knowing that, oh my goodness, so many parents and caregivers were carrying childhood trauma that they've never processed with anyone. And this book is, um, you know, serving as an outlet for them and and giving them the courage uh, to just say, you know what, this happened to me too, you know, and Mm. and I've never told anyone about it. And thank you for creating this um, because now i can start working on my own healing and i can be there for my child and like, i know how i can respond um if my child tells me about it so i think that for me has been oh my goodness it has been everything seeing people um, allowing themselves to feel some emotions that they never process and and, and just, just you know looking for support to walk through that um, it has been amazing and the other thing that I've been uh, super blessed to see is all the opportunities that Pendle Power has opened up um, uh, in terms of us reaching a wider demographic. So initially when I, I started writing it, like the, the target audience I had in mind was the kids. Yeah? And that's why the book is a children's book. But also while I was doing research for it, I realized many parents were like, we do not have the truth." And resources to have this conversation. We want to, but how do I start telling my child about private parts, especially um, when culturally they themselves didn't get a chance to do that with their parents? It's taboo. It's you know, it's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and so, even just listening to parents and the need got us to create a companion guide for the book you know so the book comes with a companion back, uh, guide um, you scan a QR code at the back and it takes you to a companion guide that gives you tips on you know if you're talking about private parts this is how you approach it this is how you start from the familiar things this is how you use teachable everyday moments in your family in your interactions to um, model these conversations you know so that in itself is a whole other resource that came from Pendles Power and when we were launching the book, we also released a teacher's guide because teachers were like, we also want to be consistent in, in like having these conversations at the school setting. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time with kids, you know? So it would be good to also have like that ingrained in the curriculum. So in, in, in partnership with Microsoft, we just created a teacher's guide um that we'll be advertising about you know so that's creating an opportunity for us to scale and reach many 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 more students um many many more children and and teachers from all over kenya and beyond so it's it's just been crazy seeing um all of these opportunities that are just coming up and it's like oh wow the need was it was not just children it was the parents the caregivers the teachers institutions that work with kids, you know, um, anyone who's involved in, in matters of child safety needed such a resource. So I'm, I'm just super, super grateful for all the um, survivors that have, have come up and, and told us, you know what, I am a survivor of child sexual abuse. I am so grateful for all the children who have um, shared their stories, who have like, you know, parents sending us clips of children saying, you know, It's not okay, mommy, to keep a secret, you know, like children literally articulating um, some of the key concepts that we featured in the book. For me, it just affirms the why. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, So there's been been a lot, a lot of feedback um, of the impact. And I think this is why many opportunities are coming up to just scale and, and take this information to as many people as possible. Yeah.
0: It's incredible. I mean, when you just shared the the part earlier about you know uh, parents reading it with their children and, and realizing you know they're telling for the first time what happened to them and they just gave me chills. I got a little teary-eyed. I mean, that's just it's so beautiful because that is the impact you want to see to give freedom um, to those who have been trapped for so long with their story and having been silenced for all those years from people who really did not even ask about what happened or wouldn't have even listened or believed them maybe if they had told. And I do hear over and over again of, um, you know, like moms who were sexually abused as a child. And then when they have a daughter that gets to that age, there is something that happens. Um, like you described, you know, whether they were 15 when it happened and their daughter gets to be 15 and there's something that kind of um, gives them an opportunity to either start healing or take it to a new level of healing or even advocacy i hear Mm -hmm. people talking about that at that stage to say finally like wow that was wrong i was a child you know and it was like whether that was a youth leader or a pastor especially um really kind of a new level of advocacy within those faith communities to protect children especially in the faith communities because i think over and over again, what we see to, uh, with um, either children or adults um, that are abused, um, it's often by people who are considered what we call do-gooders. Mm-hmm. So pastors, um, you know, mm-hmm. policemen, teachers, um, resource people mm-hmm. in the schools, mm-hmm. um, doctors, the, you know, so these people that no one would believe had done anything wrong with because they do so much good in the world it is a place for them to hide and therefore it's so much harder to be believed. And so the healing can be so complicated for people. And so as you're doing this work to both, um, prevent and respond to sexual violence within, you know, different parts of communities, um, what are some of the best practices you have seen? What are some of the tools that you're, um, helping people understand and learn from?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the um, key things that we usually um, recommend, especially when a survivor comes to us and they tell us they're a survivor, I think the, the biggest one um, is find getting a, being in a community uh, with other survivors, you know? Um, because healing happening in isolation is it's a lot. It can be overwhelming. Um, you, you will constantly feel like you know you're not moving, nothing happening, um, and so one of the most important things we try to do is help this um, survivor, this person who has come to us, to you know be part of a community. Um, so here in the states, we do have um, a support group for survivors of sexual violence, um, and in Kenya as well, we are trying to com- create more of these communities of survivors where people just meet and share their stories in a dignified way and try to reclaim um, some of some parts of them that were lost um you know with the trauma so that has been very very key um and of course the other part is like just helping them access support services because many people don't know many people do not know that you know when this happens to you you know you can go to this Particular hospital to get um, free services. Um, there's this network of counselors that offers, you know, free uh, pro bono counseling services. There, there, there are these lawyers that um, offer um, you know services for you. So I think what we are grateful for is that we've been able to become that resource um, that helps um, survivors be connected to people who are doing the work um in the ground you know that that has meant growing our network of referral services so like we have a whole database of these are the people that um, are offering counseling services these are the people that these are the hospitals that survivors can go to these are the hotlines that survivors can call you know so we've taken time to intentionally put this data together um, and to make it accessible to um, survivors in the community that we, we go to. So that's the other thing. Making sure that they know that support services are available for them, that they can access them. And then the next thing like helping them be a part of a community um, so that their healing can happen you know, together. You hear the stories and you're encouraged, you're inspired um, to continue working in that journey because healing is not easy. you know? There are days when you're doing so well and then there are days where you just go back to those dark places and and, and you feel like you haven't made any strides so we really encourage community um and and, and storytelling as as a big part of helping you process um the trauma that happened before yeah Mm.
0: Yeah. Storytelling is is so powerful. Just, you know, any survivor needs someone to hear their story and believe them and empathize. And every time that happens, it's so, you know, it's a little bit more healing and community that's safe really does play that role. Um, it's one of the many aspects that I've seen personally in my own life and then in the lives of others who are either trauma survivors or abuse survivors or both. (laughs) Um, it is hugely helpful. Um, yeah, thank you so much for all that you've shared so vulnerably today. I know it's really um, gonna resonate with so many people that listen, <clears throat> both in Africa. We have a lot of people who listen in Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, a bunch of different places mm-hmm. and um, and also all around the world because these things are not exclusive to one country. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're not exclusive to one faith community. They're not exclusive to one type of school system or government. These are this is a global issue. Yeah. And um, I'm so grateful that you have written this book and I do hope it gets into the hands of people everywhere that can help children to have these conversations with their caregivers and their parents because, I mean, I know when I was raising my children when they were little, um, we were given some tools and I do feel so privileged that we were, Mm -hmm. but having a book like yours to walk through with our children would have been that much better. We had little conversations like, don't let somebody touch you where your bathing suit would cover and like, don't keep secrets. Like we we did have access to some of those resources um, and you do worry, you know, because you don't, you know, even though you've given your child tools Mm -hmm. that there are people out there that can so easily take advantage of them. So this book is so beautiful and it's going to prevent so much and I'm so grateful that you wrote it. So thank you for your time today. Mm -hmm. Is there um, any last thing you'd like to say to our audience and also let people know where they can find you and more of your writing and speaking? Mm -hmm.
1: Um. Well, I think my call to action would be, do not let fear paralyze you. Um, because I think looking back at that moment when I had my daughter, I had so much fear. I had so much fear of like, oh my goodness. Um, but I had the choice of just letting that fear control me and stagnate me. Um, and I had this other choice of doing something about it. And I know sometimes it may feel like a lot. Um, cause even for me at that point, I didn't even know like I could write a book. Even when I was telling um, our founder this idea, like I thought someone else would do it. Uh, but then she was like, you are the one with the vision. You will figure it out, you know? Figure it out, start something. Um, and so my encouragement for anyone who's listening, um, whatever it is that, you know you're grappling with just start start somewhere start where you are at and do not let fear stop you because i feel like some of the most awesome innovations um in this world some of the biggest change makers they chose to act you know um and and so for me i feel like even in this uh, this um quest of ending sexual violence We cannot be passive. We cannot just hear, listen to all of the stories that are happening and watch the news and be like, oh my God, that's terrible. No, like we have to actively participate in making sure that it's not happening in our houses, in our neighborhoods, in our community as a whole. You know, you have to make the choice to call it out when you see it, to hold people accountable, to speak up uh, whenever you. Here, like a, a belief that perpetrates the culture of violence um, you know, all of that you have to make the choice to speak up you have to lean into courage just like pendo and, and use your voice to, to call out any forms of abuse that you see so that is my biggest encouragement um pendo's power is now available in kenya and the united states in kenya you can find it in any textbook center um, you can also order um, on our website um, kenya.pendospower.com and then here in the united states um, it will be available on amazon in a month uh, but currently orders are being made um, on buy.pendospower.com buy.pendospower.com You can also follow us on our socials to be updated um, on everything that we're doing. Um, And all our uh, socials are Freely in Hope, Freely in Hope on Instagram, Freely in Hope um, on Facebook, Freely in Hope on Twitter. Um, So you can follow us and you can also check out out our website, which is www.freelyinhope.org to just access all of these awesome resources. Uh, that are featured there our website is a resource gallow. as you can tell we love to provide resources that educate communities about all of these things you know trauma-informed parenting trauma-informed caregiving how do you respond um all of that just check out our website and you'll get access to a lot of very very good information that will help you take action yeah
0: Thank you, Lydia. It's been so wonderful to hear your story today. Thank you so much for vulnerably sharing it and for your courage to not only heal yourself, but also to warn and protect others and give people resources to protect themselves and their children from any <clears throat> future abuse. So, thank you for being on today.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been amazing, very reflective. Um, you know, going back and, and, and looking at the journey, it has been awesome. So, thank you so much for having me. Um, looking forward to more
0: interactions in the future. Oh, that conversation mm-hmm. too, was Lydia. so vulnerable and so special. Bye. Bye. And I hope that you're listening and recognizing what a treasure it is to have someone share their story so vulnerably, so openly. Um, it, as she mentioned, many, 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 in fact, it seems as though the majority of people who walk walked through abuse and trauma never ever share. Um, especially in cases like what she mentioned, where cultures, um, are silencing, especially little girls and women who have experienced sexual abuse and blaming them for what they wore, uh, blaming them for, um, doing something that would somehow entice their own abuse to happen to them, even as children, even as a five-year-old girl, those things happen. And so. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, there was this um, exhibit that was going around um, a few years ago where it just showed the outfits little girls and women had been wearing at the time of their own sexual assault. And it was horrifying to look at because none of them were what any of us would consider overly sexualized. But also um, one of them was so horrifying because it was like a little baby girl swimsuit that was just awful to see. Um Some of them were like sweatshirts and and you know the point being even if it was a a very sexy outfit that a woman was wearing, it does not invite her own sexual assault um and so we have a way of victim blaming abuse of every kind, not just sexual abuse but um victim blaming people for emotional abuse, psychological abuse, spiritual abuse, financial abuse, often things will be said, well, why did you blank? As if something they had done evoked that response from an abuser, especially when it's a woman victim and a male abuser. And also, even if it's not, um, when there's a power dynamic differential, often it's even more likely that the victim will be blamed. And so all of this helps us to be aware And awareness is key. Um, The more we spread the truth, the more we value transparency, the more we create psychological safety for victim-survivors of abuse to share their story, to believe them, to empathize with them, and to advocate on their behalf because this is not a role victims should be the only ones playing. And that's one of advocacy. Many advocates that I know are themselves um, victim survivors, but not exclusively are all advocates victim survivors themselves. Um, but it is, it does seem so often the brunt of this work is carried on the backs of those who are the most traumatized by the. Um, what has happened, then it's, you know, being the victim, survivors of abuse. So we need more allies. We need more people who help carry this load, who are not actually still walking through the trauma of experiencing it. Um, and so the bravery of a woman like her coming on the show to not only share her own experience, but to speak out and be advocate an advocate, help people find best practices, to how to heal, and then writing a book to help prevent is just so powerful and so amazing. Um, So honored to have her on the show today, and I'm really wondering how you're resonating with what she said. Um, It's certainly impacted me. Like I said, I got chills and I got a little teary-eyed at one point when she was sharing about a parent reading that book and then understanding their own abuse that they had not really ever spoken about, and people... Listening to this podcast, many of you may have carried abuse for years um, and never told anyone, and if that's you, um, I really do hope that you find someone safe to speak to uh, and reach out to them, um, whether it's a therapist that um, will keep that confidential, and once again, betterhelp.com slash difference can be a place where you can get some help, um, 10% off your first month, but even if it's a friend, even if it's somebody you um, you know meet through a like social media that's experienced abuse themselves and that you could share that with. Um, Yeah. It's so powerful to be able to speak it out loud. And many people find healing by being able to finally share it with people who will listen, believe you and um, empathize with what you went through. It's so much a part of healing. So I love the work that she's doing in community and the narrative method and storytelling about all of this It really helps to have a support group of people. If you can find that not everybody can, but Um, for those of you who have never told anyone, yeah, my heart goes out to you today. And I do hope you find a space where you can feel free just to open up a little bit and not have to carry that burden by yourself. Um, also we go a little bit deeper with her in the Difference Maker community. So if you haven't joined us there, you can go to patreon.com slash a world of difference. Um, for only $5 a month, um, you can join our, group and there are extra content that's exclusive for this group. She stops in there and I ask her a little more about some of the practices that she has found helpful for herself and her own healing. And a sneak peek, we get a little bit into some of the right brain stuff that's been helpful for her. And that's some of my new findings personally is how much right brain activities can be so key in our healing, our bodies and our brains and nervous systems that still kind of carry and and keep the score and so she talks through a lot of things that she's been doing and it's a, it's a fun conversation at the same time so I hope you join us there and um, once again patreon.com slash a world of difference where you can come and join us check us out check us out for a month and see what you think there's a lot of extra content in there with all of our different guests and we do a little fun uh, things sometimes where I put in some Lori's travel tips from the different places I've been and um love for you to chime in on those too. So yeah, it's a little bit of deep, a little bit of fun in our Difference Maker community. So I'd love to have you join us. Anyway, I know a lot of you are carrying some pretty heavy loads. Um, If this has been a podcast that's been helpful for you and you feel like you know someone that really could benefit from this conversation today, please share it with them. Um, That's a one way you can make a difference. Um, Also, another way you can make a difference is it really does, for whatever reason, help people find us when you Um, give us a review. So I don't know what happens with all those algorithms, but when you go to wherever you're listening to your podcast and just take a couple seconds, it doesn't take long, but it can make a huge difference to just give us a review and let us know what you think. And it helps other people find us to have these conversations with us. So yeah, would love that. Once again, it's a wild month for a lot of people, lots going on. So take care of yourself and wherever you are in the world, keep making a difference.